Can you explain the scripture to me? Hmm. So if you think you're staying firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. All right, he's talking so about... He says, so beyond what you can bear, what is, what is he talking about there? He's talking about your temptation to sin. Okay. You will not be tempted to sin beyond what you can handle, beyond what you can bear. In other words, there is no sin, temptation that comes your way that you can't overcome. Amen. But what about the world? What about the world? What about the things of the world that are that are hard to bear? Well, that's not talking about. That's not what that verse is talking about. That verse is. See, most people take that scripture and they automatically think that. It talks about, well, if something happens in your life, a catastrophe, God God wasn't going to put that on you more than what you can handle. That's not the case. See, here's the thing. If God sends anything on you, you can't handle it. You hear what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If God was to send something on you, you cannot handle it. You will die. Okay? And you can look in that Old Testament. When God gave him the quail, and it says that he got angry with him and struck him down, they couldn't handle it. They died. See, so <clears throat> when he, in this passage you're reading, it's not talking about trials that come your way. It's talking about temptation to sin. We will never be tempted with sin beyond what we can bear. If, I get, if a temptation comes my way and I fall prey to the temptation and I sin, it's my fault, not God's fault. In other words, God can't be blamed when I sin. Yeah. Because that sin that came my way, God has already written in somewhere in eternity that says... You can't tempt uh, uh, Cameron, or you can't tempt David, or you can't tempt Zach more than what he can handle. When you sin, you won't have your flesh. So when you sin, it's your fault. You sin, it's your choice. And, check this out, it's a matter of belief. If I don't believe that I can beat it, I won't. This is why the scripture says, the righteous shall walk by faith. I can't walk in righteousness without believing that I am righteous. Okay? If I believe I'm destined to sin then when the temptation comes, I will sin. Because I don't think I can, I can beat it. That's what it used to be when I was walking in uh, sin with pornography so heavy. You know, every time I got tempted, I, I thought to myself, it's too late. It's a done deal. I, I'm already going to mess up. It's all, I'm already down the road. I'm slippery slope. I can't get up again. Why? Because I believed that. It was the moment that I believed I could win. That's when I started winning. When I believed, when I actually believed, see, the thing is, I had believed a lie. That I was trapped. That's what addiction is. It's a lie. Now, don't get me wrong. And I'm not saying people aren't in bondage. I'm saying people are in bondage to a lie. Okay? If I believe in the lie that I have to sin, then I will sin. Be according to my faith. If I believe that I will be righteous, if I believe that I will overcome by the word of the Lamb, and by the, by, by the, by the word of the... Of the uh, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony, I will overcome. And this is what overcomes the world, our faith. When I believe that I can win, that's when I win. Yeah. If I don't believe I'm going to win, then I'm like these people in Israel, that, um, the Israelites that were in the desert, that went into the land of Canaan and saw the giants and said, we can't win. What happened to them? They didn't win. They stayed in the wilderness. But the people who said we can win lived 40 more years and went and took the land. Most of the time winning ain't easy. Winning ain't easy. 
It's true. <laughs> it's going to take a fight. It's going to take sacrifice. God never said it was going to be easy. He yeah. said, it's interesting. You know, there was different things in our lives that God completely, like, wins for us. But we still have to be obedient. If they didn't obey the Lord, then he wouldn't have won for them. Because they couldn't have, they weren't operating in faith. But if they operated in faith, then God would win for them. Then after that, after, like, for instance, Exodus chapter 14, you see that the people, uh, it says, why are you, why are you complaining against me? Stand still. In other words, shut up. Stop complaining. You'll see the deliverance of the Lord today. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again, for the Lord will fight for you. And he says, why are you just standing there? Go forward. So now they, so they were told to be quiet. Why? Because their, their speech was speaking death. Be quiet. Stop it. Stop talking death. Trust me. Now do what I tell you. Mm-hmm. If they hadn't parted the Red Sea, if they hadn't gone forward into the impossibility, because see, the Red Sea was impossible. It was impossible for them to win. The Egyptians were coming on their chariots, 600 um, chariots. They were going to kill all these people. Then God said, now do what I tell you. Trust me, you will win, but now do what I tell you. If they didn't do what he told them, they would have lost. They would have, they would have died because they disobeyed the word of the Lord. But God said, all right, go forward. Put your, put your staff in the sea. And the sea parted. They started walking across dry ground. Then the Egyptians followed them, and then the sea came back together again. And destroyed the Egyptians. Okay? So you have to see that in that moment, God said, shut up. Be still. Stop it. Stop talking death. Listen to me. I'm going to beat these guys for you. You just got to do what I tell you to do. Mm -hmm. So faith was completed by action. First, be quiet. Listen. Get the word of the Lord. Be quiet. Stop talking your death. Stop believing a lie. Listen. I'm going to win. That's faith. Believe the word I just told you. I'm going to win. You're going to win. You are going to win. Now here's the way out. But they had to be quiet so they could hear God. So they could find out the way out. Yeah. Seek him. Then they, so what was right in their own eyes was, we're going to die. But what was right in God's eyes was, I will part the sea for you. You see, what happens is God always takes us to a place of impossibility. But even in that place of impossibility, it's not too much for us if we'll just trust him. You see? Because he will give us the way out. It doesn't say he's going to, he's not going to allow us to be tempted more than we can handle because so we're going to get our way out. He says, but I will provide the way out. It's always dependent on him. Our victory is always dependent on Christ. You see? And that passage really is talking about sin. It's not talking about actual um, trials that hit us in life. Um, Now, the scripture is clear about being thankful, even in the trials. Why? Because thanksgiving is our faith. If I am thankful, then I speak faith. Well, I'm about to fall over here. If I'm thankful, then I speak faith. All right? If I'm grumbling, then I'm speaking unbelief. The only way to make sure you come out of your problem, the trial in your life, is to not complain. If you're in the trial and you start complaining, you just screwed up. Yeah. If the trial comes, you've got to stay thankful. Got to stay thankful. Even in the trial. Why? Because Thanksgiving is faith. And only by faith am I going to go into the grave and come back out again. You're always destined to go into the dark place. To beat it. Not, to, not just so you can suffer. It's so that you can win. 
good stuff. That's why Jesus came. He came into the darkness, shone the light. And that light was the light of all men. Thank you, Jesus, for leading the way. He showed us how to do it. See, God didn't come in here just so that we could be exempt from darkness. He came to show us how to beat darkness. You were destined to go into darkness and beat it. Yeah. You're destined to go into the place that's trying. Why? Because you're supposed to win. There's a ton of other people in the world that are in darkness. If you don't go back into the darkness and win, how can you help others win? You have to watch Jesus. Jesus came into the darkness. He won. Now I'm going to go into the darkness and I'm going to win. And I'm going to teach other people how to win. I'm going to be the light of the world. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. What is the purpose in light without being dark first? I got to be the light in the darkness. You are the light of the world. The world is dark. You're going to go into darkness. And people think that's cruel. It's not cruel. It's love. It's love for God to send me into the darkness to help save other people. Mm. That's where all the other people are. Yeah. That's where the people that need love the most are, in the darkness. If I'm running from the darkness, then I'm a coward, number one, and I don't love. God wants me to go into the dark place to save the people that are in darkness. That's where all of the lost people are. I can't go fishing in a place where there is no fish. I can't go into the church and try to win everybody to Jesus. I gotta go into the darkness, outside the church, find the lost people on the street. That's where all the work is. Now, don't get me wrong; the work is in the church too, because a lot of people are still dealing with their darkness, coming to the church, but they're coming to church to get healed and get fed. But the church is not designed to be just a hospital. The church is designed to be a university to teach doctors. You see? Yeah. But most people come to the hospital and they stay a victim their whole Christian life. Those people, I question sometimes whether or not they're really even saved because if i'm being saved i know that i'm not a victim anymore mm. and it, it's not about it's not a matter of whether or not you're in a trial it's a matter of what, whether in your heart you believe you're a victim. Or a victim if i am a victor in my heart whether i'm going through trial or not i'm still a winner you see and i'm gonna beat it yeah that's the point my point is we're in the church it's not just supposed to be a hospital don't get me wrong now there's a hospital aspect to the church but we're in a war zone, man. There, there's no hospitals in, on, the, on the battlefield. There's paramedic uh, medic uh, tents. They come in they, and they bring you in there, ship you up and get you, get you better, you know? But then when you're better, if you can, you go back out and fight. Mm -hmm. You know? We're in a war. It's crazy stuff. It's good stuff. All right, so anyway, being faithful. Where are we at? To each according to his ability. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. He had received, he who received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he had five talents more. So also he had two talents, had two talents more, but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I've made five talents more. That takes risk. To take your five talents and go invest them, you might lose them. Faith always takes risk. Bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents, and here I have made five more. His master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Listen, when God gives you little, you must be... Now, check this out. Some of us would look at this and say, well, he got five, another guy got two, another guy got one. That's not fair. 
One guy got more. God says it's little. God says that the five were little. Yeah. See, a humble man will realize that the, even the big he thinks he has is really little. Mm-hmm. This is where promotion comes in. See, promotion never stops. Growth never stops. If you truly want to serve the Lord, you'll be faithful with the little. Because if you understood that what you have is little, but if you're faithful, he's going to give you much. Yeah. Then even when you get that much, you're going to look at it and say, this is a little. And I'm going to be faithful with this little. I'm going to stay humble. This is a little. And when you're faithful with that little, he gives you more. And when, you're, and that, when you look at that more and you say, this is still a little. I'm going to be faithful with this little. He's going to give me more. So you, if we, but if we grumble and complain about the little we have, oh, look what I have. This is measly. I can't believe I have only five loaves and two fish. Bring your five loaves and two fish to Jesus. And he'll feed 5,000 with it. Mm-hmm. And you'll have so much left over. You'll have more left over than you started out with. You were faithful with the little. You bring it to Jesus. He blesses it. Good. We got to be faithful with the little. So sometimes, even in the ministry, I look at things and I say, man, Lord... I got five loaves and two measly fish. The Lord says, bring it to me. All right, Father. I keep forgetting that I'm not doing This is not my ministry. This is yours. You gave me these. This is the little I have. Father, take this little. Bless it. So I'm thankful. Here's Here's what I realized. Every blessing I get from the Lord, even if it wasn't exactly what I hoped for, even if it wasn't what I craved because guess what? If I want to seek my cravings instead of seeking the blessing of the Lord, then the craving will kill me. So I have to remain humble and say, thank you for the little you gave me. Yeah. Father, I will be faithful with this little that you gave me. I've been doing this ministry for a year now with no place of our own. Okay? And I've been faithful. Why? The Lord said, discipleship before business. Okay, Lord, I'm a disciple before business. You know? I'm going to make sure that I take care of the people I have. Father, I only got one guy. Or I only got two guys. You know? Or I got nobody. So what do we do when we had nobody? Started recording everything, putting everything on, a, on YouTube and on Facebook. Father, I'm going to be faithful what I got. I got an iPhone. I got a microphone. I got a faithful servant that comes in every day. No matter what, whether he feels good or bad. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, James. Marcus Whetstone. You're awesome. I'm telling you, man. We gotta be faithful with what we have. We gotta be faithful. When we're faithful, then God gives us more. It's good stuff. So then, been sojourners in a land not our own, being faithful with what we have, and then God gives us a place. This place is not all that I hoped for and dreamed for. It's not what I craved. But I'll be faithful with a little. Mm-hmm. It's mine. It belongs to us. God gave it to us to the ministry. It belongs to us. So what are we going to do? We're going to be faithful with the little. Yeah. When we're faithful with little, he'll give us more. See? And, uh, you know, I, I, I thoroughly believe, too, there's people out there, man, that God's spoken to. They just haven't obeyed yet. I can't control them. You know? All I can do is be thankful with what I have. Amen. And i got to be faithful. i got to be thankful for what I have. i got to be faithful with what I have. Watch this. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents here. I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. 
You have faith. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. And turn to the joy of your master. Now watch this. Did God discriminate between the five that the guy made before and the two that the guy made after? He was not discriminatory over the results. What he cared about was a good and faithful servant. He did not even care about how much they got back. He cared about them being good and faithful servants. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah. They put what they had to work and he was happy with it. They took what they had, the little they had, and operated in faith and took a step and God was happy with it. The master was pleased with their effort and the results that they got. He did not compare the two and say, well, that guy's better than that guy. Yeah. He didn't. He said they were both good and faithful. Both of them got the same reward. You have been faithful over little, I'll set you over much. Enter the joy of your master. He also had, he also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. Right? Master is hard. He can be a hard man. Reaping where you did not sow. This is so powerful, guys. There's a whole theology out there that says God reaps where he doesn't sow. You don't have to do nothing. God, God has already picked who he's going to save, a predestination, da-da-da-da, right? God's going to work all things for the good of those who love him, so I don't have to do anything for God at all, right? That's what they say, for real, right? And Watch what happens to those people that believe that. <laughs> they get cast out. It's all right. It, you have to watch what happens to the people... You have to watch what happens to the people who believe this. Who believe that we don't got to do anything for the kingdom of God. God's already going to do it anyway, with or without us. Okay? If you don't pick up the, 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 the baton, God will hand the baton to somebody else. Yes, but then you'll get cast out. Because you weren't faithful with the little. Powerful stuff. He also had received one talent, came forward. Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So, I was afraid. Listen. Fear of the Lord should not stop you from doing righteousness. Fear of the Lord should stop you from doing unrighteousness. Love and devotion for the Lord causes you to be a risk taker. To take the thing he, the little he gave you and go do something with it. It's not the fear of the Lord that should... See, fear of the Lord always stops you. Fear always stops. Hear me. Fear always stops. Look, look, look. look. Fear always stops. It arrests, okay? If you're in the field and you see a snake a rattling, you stop, <laughs> right? The fear of the snake stops you. And you're like, I need to figure out. What happens is it stops you from your process of thinking that you are on, the line of thinking that you are on, and it causes you to reevaluate what you're doing to say, what's the next course of action? But fear always stops. The fear of that snake says, where I'm going right now is not a good idea. I'm going to stop. I'm going to reevaluate. Now I'm going to repent. Right? I'm not going to go further anymore. I'm going to turn around and go the opposite way. See? That's what fear does. Fear always stops you and causes you to repent, to change your thinking. You see what I'm saying? Make sense? So, if I am afraid of God, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So when I fear the Lord, what it does is it causes me to want to stop Sinning. You see? Why? Because the course of action I was taking was taking me to a place of judgment. The fear of the Lord and the fear of that judgment causes me to stop what I'm doing, reevaluate what I'm doing, and say, is there another course of action that I need to take? Then we hear about the gospel, which is awesome. And we're like, wow. Now, just because I received the gospel, does that mean that I keep on going down the road of sin? 
No, because the fear of the Lord told me I needed to stop sinning. It's the beginning of wisdom. Then I meet wisdom itself, Jesus, who paid the penalty for my sin, so I can say, I'm going to live for Jesus now in love and devotion, steadfast love. I'm binding around my heart. Father, you, I'm going to follow you. So the fear of the Lord stopped me from the road I was going, but it's the love of the Father that caused me to be devoted to him and follow him to the day of my death. You see? So fear always stops you. So if I walk with God in fear, watch this. This is where, so this is where, this is the balance. Fear was at the beginning of your relationship with God. Right before you entered in relationship with God. Now that you're in faith, look up the scripture. There is no fear in love. There is no fear of judgment, the scripture says. Now that I'm in Christ, there's no fear of judgment. You see? Perfect love casts out all fear. So this man was operating in fear in Matthew chapter 5. He was trying to follow God and he was operating in fear. But that fear caused him to not do anything for God because he was afraid of being punished for making a mistake. You see? And that's, that's not walking in faith with Christ because there is no fear of punishment in Christ. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. <clears throat> All right, so let's go up here. By, uh, <clears throat> verse 7. Behold, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever love has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not lo love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. See, we didn't love God before he loved us. He loved us before he loved him. But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfect in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit and he has and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that the God has for us. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Why? Confidence because I don't have to fear being judged because I'm in Christ. You see? This is powerful. Confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. Therefore, there is no fear in love. Fear of what? Fear of the Lord. Not fear of the Lord as the beginning of wisdom, but fear of the Lord as in walking with God and being afraid of him. This is powerful. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So, fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom. But if we are perfected in love, we have no more fear. Why? It's just like I would fear touching the hot pan on the stove, right? There's a fear. That fear causes me to do something, to stop what I'm doing, and causes me to change my thinking. I need to put on a, a glove, right? I put the glove on, and I go touch the hot pan. Is there fear of the hot pan anymore? No, because I have this glove on. But fear of the hot pan caused me to put on the glove. You see? Fear of the Lord causes me to put on Jesus. When I put on Jesus, now I have no more fear. I'm walking in love. I love the glove. <laughs> right? I don't want to touch the hot pan without the glove. You see? It's good stuff. So now, I'm in Jesus and there's no fear in Jesus. Perfect love casts out all fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, 
He is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. It's good stuff. All right. So, that makes sense, guys? How the fear of the Lord balances out with the love of Christ? The fear of the Lord is real. It's a real fear. But in Christ, there is no more fear of God. If I have Christ on. Now, if I don't have Christ on, then the fear of the Lord still remains. hope this explains a lot of questions we might have had. All right, we're in Matthew chapter 25 uh, still. Uh, well done, good and faithful servant. And so it says to this guy, right? So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Listen, fear always causes you to hide. Fear always causes you to hide, especially your true identity. God gave him a new identity when he gave him a task. When he didn't fulfill the task, he hid it. He hid his identity. He hid what he was called to be. He hid his new calling. He, he hid what he was in God. He hid because he was afraid. Why? Because he didn't believe. He didn't believe that what God gave him was enough to overcome. He didn't believe in the product. Or he would have invested it. But his master answered him. So, so, so here you have what is yours. So he, he, took, he hid his talent in the ground. Listen, when, when, when uh, Adam and Eve sinned, Adam ran and hid. He ran and hid. Because he was afraid. Because he was naked. If we are still afraid, then we haven't put on Jesus, you see? Or something needs to be reworked in our faith so we can understand what it really means to have Jesus. I'm not saying that some people put on Jesus, but they're just not operating in faith. They just they keep feeling like they're, you know, going to be judged. All right, check this out. But his master answered him, You, wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. In other words... I let everybody else carry the weight. <laughs> I don't have to do nothing. Other people will do that. It's kind of like when people look at our program and they'll say, oh, that's a really good thing you're doing, but they don't do anything to help. You know what I'm saying? Now, that's a little harsh, but my, my, what I'm saying is when people believe in a good thing, they'll make the sacrifice to make sure that it keeps going. I'm not saying that all has to be in money. Huh? I'm just talking about a heart issue here. I... So many people have said, oh yeah, I'm so glad someone's doing something about that. Compassion is what moves you. If you believe in something, you'll do something about it. Mm -hmm. You know? Anyway, I'm not trying to beat anybody down who believes in what we're doing but can't afford to do something. I'm not, so this is going to go out and people are going to hear this. I'm not trying to beat anybody down who can't do anything. What I'm saying is if you know to do right but you don't do it, Scripture says that's sin for you. Yeah. So, it's not good to just say, well, I'm glad someone's doing something about that. What are you doing? You know? What are you doing? Are you doing something for the kingdom? It's good someone else is doing that for the kingdom, but what are you doing for the kingdom? You know? Maybe you're called to be doing something that you're not doing. Or maybe God did call you to do this. Or, oh, I was really hoping someone would do something like that. A lot of times the thing that you really wish somebody else would do is something you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Why? Because you saw the need. You know that it's something that needs to be done. You may be resisting the Lord. So when I talk about this stuff, I really hope people don't get offended or whatever. I hope that they examine their hearts. Mm -hmm. Ask the Lord, what am I supposed to be doing for the kingdom? Maybe it is supposed to be helping with our ministry. Or maybe God's calling you to do something different. It's not a matter of whether or not you're helping with one particular ministry. It's whether or not you're doing something for the kingdom of God. You know? Are you doing something for the kingdom of God? Or are you letting everybody else do all the work? This is a bad deal. If we aren't, okay? Then you ought to have invested my money. Watch this. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. 
So if you're not doing something for the kingdom, why don't you take your money and invest it in the bankers? The ones that are doing something. Yeah. You see? Yeah. That's what he's talking about. So you're not going to go on the field and do the work. Why don't you invest in the work? You see? If you can't go do the work, then you could invest in the work. That's what God's saying right here. This guy didn't do anything with what he had. It was only one talent. Well, I can't do much. I can't do much for the kingdom. But you can invest in the kingdom. You ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take, see, the thing is, the people who make the most return are the ones who take the biggest risks. You see? They're the ones who quit their job and go follow the Lord and take the biggest risk. There's no security in that. Just trust in the Lord and He is your security. You see? <laughs> Which is good enough, to be honest with you. <laughs> but some people would say, well, that's, that's scary. Yeah, it is scary unless you believe God. And it's not scary. It's perfect. But the people who aren't willing to take that risk and fully invest... Because that's what happened. That guy took the five talents, threw it all away, and it came back. Five talents more. Yeah. See, that guy took a huge risk. What he's saying is if you got one talent and you're afraid, why don't you actually just invest in the bankers and you'll get some interest at least. At least you'll have a hand in the return. Maybe you didn't make the full return. You didn't take the biggest risk. But at least you invested in the work. You see? It's powerful stuff. Wow. Wow. It's really good. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given. And he who, ha who will have an abundance, uh, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. See, that's the guy. He's like, oh, I don't have anything to give. Well, then what you think you don't have to give, God will take it away. You see? Because <laughs> the truth is, man, it's all a little. All of it is a little. Be faithful with a little. That's the thing, man. Just be faithful with the little. Even if all you can do is a little. Be faithful with it. Yeah. You know? Powerful stuff. And this isn't about... Anyway. The point is, man, we have to give an account to our careless deeds and our careless actions. God will hold us accountable to those things. For to everyone who has been, who has will more be given and he who have, uh, will have an abundance. But and, Oh, in verse 30. This is awful. I'll let everybody just wrestle with this the rest of their life. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Listen, everybody has been given something. I don't care. It's not talking about saved people here. It's talking about every single person has been given something. Number one, Christ. Yeah. The whole world has been given Christ. If you take the one little thing you have and you don't do anything with it, you're not part of the fold, is what God's saying. There are people that, that um, give lip service to God. But they're not devoted to him. You see? And it's a heart issue. Jesus always brings it to the heart. You, make sense? Alright. Mm -hmm. John chapter 6 verse 1. And after this Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with the disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? <coughs> he said to him, To test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his uh, disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter, uh, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Then Jesus Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, 
giving thanks for the little that you have. Give thanks for the little that you have. Jesus is giving us an example here. He distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, give up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that had been done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Listen, we cannot say that what I have is not enough. Jesus looked at the widow who brought two mites and said, she's given more than any of these other people. We have to take the little that we have and give it to the Lord and let him multiply. All we will be held accountable for is not our results. We will be held accountable for how faithful we, how faithful we were with the little. Luke chapter 16 verse 10 says, One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you in the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So, to wrap it up, we're called to take the little that we've been entrusted with and be faithful with it and let God be responsible for the increase. All we got to do is be faithful. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Bold as a Lion ministry podcast. For additional teaching, prayer, information, or support, please visit our website at www.boldasalignministries.com. Subscribe to our Facebook for updates on what God is doing in our ministries and our YouTube page for updated teachings hosted at the Barracks Discipleship and Recovery House. For weekly refreshing word, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or Podomatic. We pray strength and blessing for you and yours and for the courage to walk boldly for God.